If you worry about what other people think, soon enough, you will be on the sidelines of your life. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Millionaire Woman Show. I'm your host, Deborah Kozowski, and today I have a fabulous guest for you. Sabrina Lloyd is an entrepreneur, executive coach, self-made millionaire, and she leads with courage and strength and works to equip people with what they really need to succeed. Using the right tools and knowledge, she empowers people to become courageous and strong leaders that they were meant to be. Sabrina started her career at American Income Life and quickly rose to being a top 10 producer in her first year and went on to continuously break records. She is now the founder and CEO of Lloyd Agencies, which has been voted Chicago's best places to work. And Lloyd Agencies is one of the fastest growing AIL members and provides its members with executive training and leadership coaching. When she's not working, Sabrina enjoys traveling, reading her car collection. We'll have to ask a little bit more about that later and being with her beautiful three children. Welcome Sabrina to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Well, Sabrina, I was excited because I love when I get to um, get the books ahead of time. And as you can see, I got sticky notes, I got highlights, (laughs) and I really want to bring to attention because I think this is one of the most powerful books I've read this year. And I'm really curious what inspired you to write standalone and what truly does it mean to stand alone? Yeah, thank you for saying that. Uh, what I wanted to share was something that I knew would be uncomfortable for me. And I think our best is when we're uncomfortable. And I've been blessed to have gone through a journey in business that I wouldn't trade for anything else. And I've been able to develop myself. I've been able to surround myself with very, very strong people. And the things that I went through, I always tell everyone, like I endured through a lot. And I wanted to be able to write a book about my personal experiences, because for a lot of us, you know, Deborah. When you read the book, what you're what you're hearing is the internal turmoil that a person's going through. And I've had people reach out to me and say, like, that was painful to read. And I'm like, imagine how painful that is to have inside of you. That's why you get it out so you can help someone else that might be experiencing something similar and thinking, why is this happening to me? And I just want you to know it's happening to a lot of us. You got to get through it. Yeah. And that internal dialogue, like you really captured in the book of how, how you have all these kind of, it's kind of tormenting, right? Because you think you should do one thing and then you think you should do another. And there's one part in your book where you talk about, let your life speak for who you are and you have learned to detach from your situations. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about the act of detachment. Yes. I love this. You know, I think, especially for women in business, if you can hear me, um, one of the things that I've been able to do is desensitize myself. And people think like, wow, that, that sounds like you think in business, they tell you to be emotionally involved and have great empathy for people. I'm saying that you need to do those things too. But when things are happening to you, you have to be able to see yourself outside of yourself. So you're not so emotional that you make bad decisions. And I just, I share this with a lot of people because emotions can take you to a place where you're not supposed to belong. And I've seen people make very bad decisions when they're too emotionally attached to a situation. And so what I've been able to do is detach myself in that moment calm myself down, quiet all the noise that's happening. Cause really that's what emotions are. It's a lot of extraneous noise that, that we're allowing to come inside of us in that moment. 
And if you can just remember that you never make decisions in the dark, right? Get yourself back to the light, but you got to walk there first. So if you can detach from your emotions, desensitize yourself, see the situation for what it is. You know, a very powerful thing that I've learned is it just is what it is. Don't put too much emotion and thought into it and then act based upon who you want your future self to be remembered for. Yeah, I, I really love that because I think I used to not like that phrase. It is what it is, because to me, when people used to say it made it sound like there was this resignation, right? There's this resignation. I cannot do anything about this situation. But now I've come to realize it's to remind people to be back into this moment, to be in the presence. So now I know what I can do about something. Yes, that's that's really powerful, because for a lot of us, when you think it's a, a resignation, it really is because you have to kill that part of yourself that's leading you away from where you're supposed to be. And we like to feed the weaker version of ourselves because it's comfortable. We like to be around people that console us. And when we're like, I'm angry, I hate this. They're like, yeah, you should be angry. You should hate this. When someone else says, mm, I wouldn't give in to the anger right now. When someone else says, ah, you're being a little bit too sensitive right now. You almost have to kill that version of yourself, resign it. You have a nicer way of saying, I'd be like, kill that person dead. You're saying I need to resign that part of me. So you're more right. polished than I am. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. I'm definitely a work in progress. We all are. <laughs> which, which leads me to, this is the one thing that really stood out for me in your book, particularly was one of the biggest mistakes women make when it comes to making mistakes. And when I read this, I had to read it a couple times because I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and look, I just flipped to it at this moment. And you said to reframe things and say, what would a man do in this situation? And I was like, oh, at first I was like, it felt like a gut punch because I'm like, I don't want to think like that. But when you said one of the one of the biggest things that women do differently than a man uh, was and, and I'm going to let it, I want you to expand on this, but it, it really hit me in the gut was don't be talking to everyone about your mistakes. And I was just like, oh, I witness and probably have caught myself in that situation. So I'd love for you to expand on that lesson that you have here, because it came to, uh, it was about having equality with men, but when our emotions arise, women seek comfort yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> this is a very tough thing for people to understand because if you go back to like uh, hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of years ago, right? Uh, when women were at home and the man was out there hunting, right? They, The woman was responsible for talking and connecting with other women so that they could know what the truth is, so that they could then go and keep their family safe and secure. And the man was out there hunting and he wasn't talking about the problems that he had at home. He was about displaying his courage and going and getting the kill and bringing it home and his bravery. And so it's not a bad thing that you have that inside of you because that's, that's a strength that women have in themselves. But when you're in performance mode, close your mouth, stop spreading all the negativity about yourself because what this shows to people that could be your competitors could be people that are you know out to overtake you is you're weakening yourself to your opponents and i know we live in a world today where people want to believe like no one is my opponent and mm -hmm. everyone is for me but in business that just ain't true okay mm -hmm. You know, business is war. If we're talking about raising a family, if we're talking about being a, a respectable part of the community, you know, I'm talking about business in particular. When you're playing to win and in business, you better be playing to win because if you're losing, it, it, don't even get involved in business, okay? You have to be able to compartmentalize like how you're feeling and then not just talk about your weaknesses to everyone and not come from a place of like, I want to connect with this person and make them my friend, you know, and then make this 
sick thing that happens with women sometimes where we, we say like, oh, that happened to you. That happened to me too. And then we lower ourselves and lower ourselves and lower ourselves. And all of a sudden we're like, wait, this is not inspiring anymore. Men are not doing this. Men are not doing this. I promise you. I've sat in the room with a lot of very strong men. They're not like trying to weaken themselves in the eyes of one another. They're like, it's a bravado thing. They're like, I did this. No, I did this. I went up to you in this. And they're showcasing themselves. A, a big difference in approach. And, you know, I, I can think of times when women, um, you know, we think, we use vulnerability and it's important to have some vulnerability, but not to the point that you're exposing all of yourself. You know, we all know that we all have some weaknesses, but to the point of divulging so much that you lose your power. Right. And this book too, is really for you to gain your power back because you were born powerful. And that's the real message of this book. It's like, remember and recall who you really are. Because all of life and the situations that you go through, they're designed to like weed out the weak. And the people that make it in the end are the ones that endure through it. But how do you endure through the hardest of times? You have to remember who you are. You have to remember what you've overcome in the past. You have to remember all the things that you've done, achieved, and keep that keep that light inside of you glowing. And you don't do that by lessening yourself in the presence of others. Yeah. And and that's something I really love. It's it's really encouraging for people to remember who they are. And one of the parts that really, you know, people get caught up in comparing themselves to others. And it was it was interesting because I'd never heard it framed this way before, is having the courage to stop competing with others because you're not in the same game. And you know, we I always hear about stop comparing yourself to others. But I have never heard it in the phrase of have the courage to stop competing with others. Comparison is truly um, a form of competition. Yes. You know, (laughs) comparison is also the thief of joy. And when people do this a lot, and this is the world we live in, right? We're always eyeing up ourselves relative to someone else. And when you really start to understand that I've come here to dominate in my space, dominate means to overtake. So it's like, you're irrelevant. You know, does, does a lion fight with a fly? No, the lion doesn't even (laughs) take its energy to like interact with the fly. The fly is just there. And so when you get into the space of, I want to, I want to do something at a higher level, then I have to like rise above the competition. And instead of getting affected by what other people are saying to you, cause that's really what people are trying to do. And this comes back to me being a mother, you know, I have three small children. So as a mother, when my children say to me like, oh, this person said this to me today. And they look at me and I say, well, what did you say to yourself? Cause it doesn't matter what anyone says to you in this world. What matters is what you say to yourself and what, you know, God spoke into your existence. And that's really what it boils down to, right? So when you're, when you're dominating, you really have the courage to stop competing because you, you honor your original and creative self. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that. Cause I know it's usually what happens before your thought, what influenced the thought that you had. So if you can, for our listeners to explain a little bit more about what did you say to yourself at that moment? Can you, can you expand on that? Give us a little bit of an example. Yeah. So it was uh, through a series of unfortunate events, right? Where I was in this competing stage in my business life, where I was like, I'm going to beat everyone. I'm going to be the best. And I would start to level myself and compare myself to the people that I was essentially playing with. And what, what happened to me is that even if I won, I still felt like, uh, what else, what's next. Right. And it was never, it was never really ultimately fulfilling. And what happened was it got a little bit ugly and it got a little bit nasty. And I'm like, how do I change this up? And so I really did it from a place of positivity where I said, listen, I don't mean any disrespect when I say to people, like, I don't compete with you. I'm, I'm here to dominate over my life. This doesn't mean I'm trying to make you less, but at the same token, like what, what the gift I was giving myself was freeing myself from that negativity 
that that competition, that fierce competition had. And what it gave me was like this, just lightweight weightedness to myself so that I could be more creative. I stopped looking Mm -hmm. and playing a numbers game. And I started to get in a more creative space. And I started to ask myself if, if I was creating my ideal business, what would it look like? What would it feel like? What kind of people would I have around me instead of playing so small and saying, oh, this person's doing this, let me do this. And then you're never really doing it as good as that person is doing it because you are ultimately supposed to do it the way you're supposed to do it. I learned something um, very early on when I got into business and it's a great saying. It's from the science of getting rich. Awesome, awesome book. And it said, people don't get rich doing certain things. They get rich doing certain things a certain way. Mm. And what that planted in me was a seed of knowing that we can all be doing the same thing. It's the way you do it that is going to separate you from the masses. And that's what standalone is really all about. It's about leading your life, not not just falling into the traps of what everyone else wants for you to do, but leading your life. And the way you do things, it starts to form the character, the essence of who you are. And really, I think that's what we're all playing for, the person that we're becoming. Yeah. And and I just, I've, I've read the science of getting rich and doing things a certain way and knowing that it's going to happen and at, at its own time as well. Yes. And one of the things that I know that you talk about in the book is the importance of endurance. So I'd love for you to expand a little bit more on your journey of endurance, your story to where it brought you to your business today. Yeah. So really what we're talking about is just a principle of extreme commitment, right? Where it doesn't matter what is happening to you. We, we live in a world that is very conditional, right? If this happens, then I'm going to do this. And it's almost like a cause and effect world. But what if you were the kind of person that could really cause for things to happen because you just don't quit. You just don't ever give up. And then you start to create a life around you that is, you know, really playing at a level of excellence. And it doesn't start off that way. When you start off at anything, you're horrible, you're terrible. And all those quitting conversations that you have with yourself are so completely logical, but excellence isn't grown overnight. Greatness doesn't happen overnight. And everyone that starts to get really good at their craft, we all say the same thing. It takes time. And so this is where you have to have the spirit of endurance. You know, I I go back to being a mother, like the one thing in our children that I want to have planted in them above anything else is that you don't ever quit what you're doing. It's, it's something that you have to train from, from a young age. And I think that that's being lost in people because There's so many options today and there's so much accessibility today. Social media has opened up so many more doors and we're just, we've gotten so used to having quitting conversations with ourselves. And I just worry about what's going to happen to people. How are you going to ever be excellent at what you do? And, And the real thing is, is you won't, you just won't be. Yeah. And and you know what? The other thing is, I don't know if people realize that other people have thought about quitting too. Yes. And that they've pushed through and they've, you know, been able to build a momentum so they can let go of that thought or they've reframed it in some way. Because, you know, when I I was interviewing someone recently for an article and they were saying, yeah, this person's thinking about quitting too. And I'm like, really? And it was the, I wouldn't have expected it. But then I've, you know, even challenged myself at times that, you just want to throw your papers up in the air and say, that's it. But there's something deeper within that tells you, no, it's not the right time. And no, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to follow this calling. So you continue on. But I, that's something that I realized that not a lot of people talk about when they have those feelings. And again, it's emotion, right? You need to detach from where is this coming from? It's trying to teach me something that I too have thought about that. And who, who wants you to quit the enemy? So don't feed that, you know, who wants you to stop going your weaker version of yourself that wants to be comfortable. 
So don't feed that because whatever you feed grows. Don't feed into the lies of your enemy. Don't feed into the weaker version of yourself because what you're really doing is you're growing that. And then the next time you start something, you know what's going to happen? You're going to quit again because you've trained that behavior. You started to condition yourself and lie to yourself to say that like, this is normal. Everyone does it. Well, no, that's not true. If you want to get to the top, to the pinnacle, uh, you have to be able to do what most people aren't willing to do. And that's to have that spirit of endurance. And I really appreciate that you talk about it as a conditioning because it truly is. Because once you do something one way or break a commitment to yourself, you're going to start building a pattern of behavior that conditions you to be that way. Yes. So I know that you were trained, conditioned or trained to that you were going to work toward being a physician. And uh, I resonate with that because I too was, you know, my path was I was going to be a physician as well. Didn't turn out that way. And when I went to write my MCAT, um, there was an error in the test in my particular exam. And they got everybody to look at the front of their exam. And they said, anyone who had the BS coded test, that there was an error in their exam. And, And afterwards, I sit back and I think, Hmm, that must have been a sign all along, right? That there was this BS as part of the coding. <laughs> yes. But nonetheless, it didn't happen. But I'm still fascinated, like you are, with the medicine and how you know our bodies function and everything. But I'm really curious. You know, you started your own business, Lloyd Agencies. What made you start your own insurance company, and what was the journey like? in the beginning, because I know that's the foundation, a lot of your book in standing alone has been who you have become in the process to who you are today. Yes. Uh, so that's really what I'm really big on. What science has taught me is about um, that word that you used, right? I hear a Canadian accent in your voice. Are you from Canada? I am in Edmonton. <laughs> okay. I'm, I was born in Toronto. So when I came to America, I would say process all the time. And people would look at me and they would say like, where's your accent from? I'm like, oh, I don't have an accent. I just speak properly. And they were like, whoa, <laughs> because it is, it's process. In America, we say process, right? But when you look at things like a process, what happens is you automatically inside of yourself, you know that like it's going to take time and you have to give it that time for the end result to actually happen. It's not an instantaneous thing. Like you, you do something, you get a result right away, right? It's, it's almost like an innate understanding that scientists or people that understand science have that you have to see like a, what is the first order consequence, the second order consequence, the third order. And so it trains us to have something that I never really thought I had, but all the while I did. And it's patience, right? In business, you have to be aggressively patient. What does that mean? It means you can't just sit there and and hope for things to work out and they will, because that's not what happens in business, right? The, the natural flow is down. And so if you want to make something happen, you have to push up against that. You have to go against the inertia. And what, what science taught me also is that, you know, if, if it doesn't work one way, it can also work another way. I don't have to give up on it not working and just come to the terms like this isn't going to work. There's another way that it can work. And I can test that out kind of like that hypothesis type of framework where I can, play around with things. And it almost makes you not afraid to fail because what you do in science is you study experiments. And I think that's ultimately what business is. Like you go into it saying, I'm going to do this. You fall flat on your face. And the scientist in me says, okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try this out another way. And so I've done that a lot of times. I've fallen flat on my face. I've hurt myself a lot of times. But I, I never didn't get up and say like, okay, let's go back at this again, try it a different way to get a different outcome. And this is where you talk about how a person can be a liability to themselves. And the one thing that you brought, brought up is as a scientist as well, we experiment, we have trial and error mentality, but a person becomes a liability to themselves. You said when they think that they know everything. 
It's a, it's a very, it's a very real thing that I see so much today, way more than I've ever seen it before, you know, and one of the things that I pray for is that that spirit never enters me because the moment you feel like, you know, it all. And, and I, I share this with your audience because it's so logical to think that, you know, it all because you have increased access to information. But information is one thing. Experience is a whole different ballpark. And I believe that wisdom comes from experience. It doesn't come from information, right? So we can both start the same way. We're not going to end up and finish the same way because of wisdom and discernment. And when you become a liability to yourself, what happened to you in the process is you stop learning, you stop training, you stop growing. You started to take it easy. You started to think like, ah, no one can really teach me anything because I know everything now. I've experienced everything. As much as I've experienced, I always humbled myself in the presence of people that have gone through and experienced more. Uh, this is why I believe in mentorship and coaching from people that you look up to that have done a lot more so that you're always nudging yourself forward and pushing yourself in terms of what you're capable of accomplishing. So what should someone look for in choosing a mentor? Yeah. So great question. Um, the easy and quick answer is results, right? Has this person achieved results? You know, this is why I'm not a fan of motivation because motivation isn't, isn't a thing. It's like an energy that someone puts into you, but it doesn't last it. Like it, it comes into you and then it goes away. Right. Mm -hmm. So don't, and that's what most people are seeking today. They're like, well, I want to do this. I'm just not motivated. What does that have to do with anything? Okay. People that achieve great things, it's because we get up every day, especially on those days when we're not motivated and we still plug in and we still get it done. Right. So I personally cannot listen to someone who has not achieved much. Um, because to me, if you've achieved much, it means you now have experience under your belt, right? You're not taking a book to me and then just like reading out of theory and saying like, well, this is what it says here. Let's do this. You know, I wouldn't pay for that. I would just pay for the book. Just pay for the $20 book, read the book True enough. and then coach yourself. But I, you got to pay for people's experience because what you're really paying for is their time. Because time is very, very precious to people that are doing and creating. Yeah. And there's one particular testimonial that I found on your website that stood out to me. And it's uh, Dwayne Shaw. And he said that you really opened up his eyes to the fact when he thought he had given his all, he hadn't even scratched the surface. And he really admired how disciplined you are with planning before action along with your ability to follow through on goals. So when you're working with people, what is the, what was it that you saw that he needed, that he wasn't tapping into the who he was that he needed to remember? Yeah. So I love, I think that's really nice that you brought up Dwayne because I've, I've learned a lot from Dwayne also, you know, and what's really cool about working with people is that, in a relationship, there's giving and taking, right? There's pitching and catching. And it's not about just like me uh, zoning in on this individual. And, and that's actually how I started to lead before. And I have a tendency to lead that way where I'm just like, this is what, what it is. This is what you do. Um, and my philosophy is like, don't coach a coach. You know, if you're being coached, close your mouth, listen, and like, then do what they're telling you to do. But the longer you're in leadership, the more you'll understand how much you don't know and that people are different. And then sometimes you go to do something and it doesn't work. And then that person is in your life and they're there to teach you something. And so what, what I always see in people is what they can be. Like, I always look at someone as like, this is my raw material. This is what I loved about chemistry. You know, when children were walking or watching Disney movies, I was memorizing the periodic table of elements, right? And what I learned about the periodic table of elements is these are raw materials and you can create anything from them. And so when I look at a person, I look at them like that. We have some raw elements and you got to respect someone's rawness. 
And this is why a lot of people won't make it in today's world because everyone's so fake. And when you're in really, really good teams, there's a lot of rawness there. Mm -hmm. And you have to be very careful with that, right? Because when someone opens up to you, you have to be, you have, this is when you do have to sensitize yourself, right? You can't be desensitized to that. So you have to see someone for what they are and you have to believe more in them. But this is the key, like just the same way that I see more in them and I want more for them. I've learned this about leadership. They have to see it too. Mm-hmm. See, if I only see it and they, I can't show it to them and they don't see it for, for themselves, then it becomes a very unhealthy relationship because what they will receive is not what I'm seeing. They will receive what I'm trying to force on them, what I'm trying to make from mm-hmm. them, which they don't necessarily want. And so this is why one of the most important things you have to do when you're working with people and leading them is you have to get very serious about what it is that they want and make sure that what you want and what they want is somehow aligned because that's when you, the two of you can conquer the world, you know, when there's alignment there, but when it's like, I see this for you and you don't see this, then we're misaligned. If we keep working at a hard, intense level, we'll do damage. And the thing is, you don't want to do any harm. But the thing that I also realize is that you must have pointed out something that maybe he thought, you know, sometimes people see in us what we don't see in ourselves, but when they probably have thought it, and you have actually named it. And it's like, oh, maybe she does see what I saw, you know, and you talk about confidence, growing confidence. What what does it take for someone to become confident in who they are? Yeah, I think confidence comes uh, with consistency over time, right? So then your confidence grows. Uh, so this is why like, don't, don't aim for confidence when you are starting anything. You know, that that feeling that you get when you're doing anything new, that is completely normal. But when people associate that feeling with like, Oh, this isn't right. Something's off. No, it's just your body is getting ready to perform. Um, it's, it's a nauseating experience. And the more you do something, the more you acclimate your body to that current situation. And then what is uncomfortable starts to be comfortable because you've taken what is unfamiliar and you've made it familiar to you. And there's only one way to do this. You know, there's only one way to do this, sheer repetition, sheer repetition. And people don't like that. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear like, oh, is there a hack? Is there a shortcut? If I take a pill, will it help? You know, no, (laughs) none of these things will help you in the long run. Okay. You've got to be able to perform and execute at a consistent level for a set period of time. And that's, that's what's missing in a lot of people today. So, and especially when you add on top of that, the commitment issues, this is why a lot of people will never experience through a career, what they're truly capable of doing and becoming. Because repetition leads to mastery and that's, and that's going to get you through when motivation doesn't work anymore. A hundred percent. And you know what, that's just like what we said before, you know, motivation is very fleeting. It doesn't last. And so what you're constantly doing is you're constantly seeking more motivation. Oh, I want to listen to someone else tell it to me a different way. But really, it's the same message you're hearing over and over again. And what you could be doing with your time is just get to work and do what you need to do. Because really what you're doing is you're procrastinating from doing what you need to do in search of what you think is motivation. No, that's just delaying you from doing what you really should be doing. And then it leads to excuses and all the reasons why you didn't follow through and so on and so on. And then there's no results. Well, there is results because there's always results, but not the results you probably wanted. A hundred percent. So what do you believe it takes to be a great leader? Uh, I say this because, um, it takes courage, right? This is why a lot of people are not supposed to be leading certain people 
because, you know, courage is something, like I said before, with experience, you grow in your courage, you grow in your confidence, but what leadership is, is kind of like, it's going against the grain. It's, it's either going against the grain. It's either carving out a new path, right? In my book, I talk about this whole thing about a cage. And if you can understand the reason why, like a lot of people like staying in their cage is because it starts to get really comfortable. Why does an animal who has, who is born to be in the wild, that is, you know, conditioned to live in a cage, almost have this like sick loving of this cage because it it just feels more comfortable to them. Then when you put them back in the wild, it becomes this thing of uh, this is uncomfortable, right? So it takes courage because when you step out of the cage of what is your current situation and your current condition, it will feel uncomfortable. And it's just, the world has made it so easy for us to do things that are comfortable for us. You know, we can, we can hide a lot in today's world, you know, with the virtual world too. Like a lot of us are not getting in front of enough people. We're not like touching people. We're not like getting around them. And so that changes our behavior because exposure changes things, right? You know, in business, how many people have ever cold door knocked someone or cold called someone that's going away, you know, and what that's doing is it's, it's not building up your courage. So when you're doing small tasks, whatever you do, that's difficult, do it with a smile on your face, because what you've planted inside of yourself was a seed of courage. And when you're a leader later on, you're going to need to call on those things so that when you have to make a character call, it's going to take courage for you to do that. It's going to take courage for you to say like, this isn't right. I'm walking away from this. And that's what a leader does. A leader can look you dead in your face and look, nope, I'm not having a part of this and walk away from this. And then, you know, the masses, they'll just keep doing whatever they're doing, which is not what we should all be doing, right? Absolutely. And it made me just it pulled me over to the seven rules for dominating the business battlefield. And one of the seven is know, really know thy enemy, be open to trusting people, but don't let others get away with wrongdoing. And this is where that character test really comes into play. So I would really love for you to tell us a little bit more about the seven rules and um, just share a little bit more about, you know, the process of becoming from ordinary to extraordinary. Yeah. So if you, it, it's like we said before, like if you take something and it's in its raw state and you are now making something in a more prepared edible version, that's, that's really what we're doing. And so for someone who is a leader, when you first start leading your life, uh, you are going to make a lot of errors, right? But what, what you have to do is you have to have the ability to get back on track. And when you start to really dominate, you stop listening to the noise of the world and you really start to hone in on what is your purpose? What am I here for? And then you start to grow like a, a focus, unlike anyone else. So there's things that I, I talk about in the book also where you got to get the people around you, right? You know, cause if you're going to dominate in your life and in business and the people around you are not right, that can start to like tear at you. I always use this analogy when I speak to my team, it's like a beautiful sweater with a little thread out. Mm -hmm. If you don't handle that little piece of thread that's out there and you're walking and something just like pulls at that thread, your beautiful sweater is ruined. And that's what happens to, to people, right? You have high goals, high ambitions, but maybe the person that you're married to, or maybe the person that is like that, you know, number one person that you go to, like they're not in tune with your goals. And it's just a little thread out. You don't think it's a big deal until it starts to get pulled and pulled and pulled. And all of a sudden, because you didn't take care of that little piece of thread hanging out, now the whole sweater has to be thrown in the garbage. And that that's rough to hear for people because if you don't have those hard conversations with people, 
And that's for family too. Some family, they give you advice. They have, they should not be giving you advice. And that's that little thread again, where you have to sit down with that person and say like, you know, explain to yourself what it is that you're doing. I've always said this. Sometimes we have to distance ourselves from certain people so we can get to a place where we can really, really love them. Um, when I started off in business, I'm grateful that I had that cr space created for me because I love my family. I, I appreciate my family so much, but I wouldn't have had that ability to have this deep, profound love and respect for them if they were constantly giving me little, little threads in my sweater, in my journey of business, I wouldn't have the love that I have. I would have resentment for them. I would be angry with them. I would see them at dinners and be like, you ruined my life. <laughs> it wouldn't be good. <laughs> and it wouldn't because, you know, reading about your story, knowing that you went to the U.S. with your car and a bag of clothes that that must have been quite a journey for you, especially, you know, you talk about having a violent growing up in a violent household. Now you're the successful businesswoman. And I know that that journey must have had so many trials along the way for you to continually build in that confidence, to build that belief in yourself, to stay focused on the vision that you had for yourself. Can you tell us a little bit more what your thought was the day that you got in your car with your clothing and you were driving away? Uh, absolute uncertainty, fear, and terror. You know, <laughs> there wasn't anything, you know, when people are like, they get in their car and they're like, oh, this is great. I'm going to change the world. That is not at all what happened. It was so scary. You know, I, I don't know if people like have that feeling, even like crossing the border was like nerve wracking for me. I didn't know anything that was going to happen. And what I, what I was so grateful for was just my ability to not overthink things, even though I have a mind that it, it can be analytical. One of the things, and I, I think this happened in childhood, like I have an ability to turn my mind off, Right. And if I didn't do this as a child, I think I, I would be like a damaged adult. And the reason why I'm not damaged as an adult is because I know when to turn my mind on and when to turn it off. I'm in control of that. And so when I replay things that were not great things that happened in my childhood, I'm able to process that differently now as an adult. And I'm able to see that, you know, my parents did the best that they could at that time. And just like every adult, like we judge our parents so hard, you know, we hold them to this level that they're supposed, they, they should have done this for us. They should have done that for us. But what I started to realize when I become a parent is that we're just doing the best that we can with what we have. And as, and, you know, a parent's real job is to keep you alive. And True a lot enough. of people just don't even understand how like my parents kept me alive to make it to a certain point. And, and then they put certain things inside of me so that I could handle myself in a certain way, which served me later on so massively. So this is why like, you don't even ultimately in the Bible, it says that you pray for your enemies and, and you, you just don't love your friends, but if you can have a love for even people that do wrong to you, I know it's hard for people to get there, but in somehow, some way, like that was placed in your life to serve you later on, not in the moment. I'm not telling you to understand, like when you're going through something hard, protect yourself, you know, do what you need to, to do in that moment to, to defend yourself, protect yourself. But then also start to get to a place where like everything is happening for me. And then later on, when you can turn on your mind again, and you can start to reflect back, I promise you things will start to connect for you. And you'll start to see how this all creates like a really, really nice story in the end. Everything makes sense in hindsight. Definitely. Yes, so don't think about it too much when you're in it. That's where people start to overthink, overanalyze. And in that moment, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. They get caught up in why is this happening to me versus, you know, and, and it's more so when you move, get through it that you can see how the dots connect. Yes. Yes. 
it's, it's uh, I love how you said that because, you know, especially with everybody's going through things and it's their first time, most of the time, you know, I, my children are young adults and if I make a mistake, I own it, but I remind them that, you know, this is my first time in this area. I haven't had a, you know, it wasn't something that I've been able to practice with anybody else. You know, I asked my firstborn, I said, please forgive me. That's so great. You've had to train me. And then I remind myself and I remind them that even their grandparents in their seventies, I said, you know, it's their first time being 70. They've never been able to live that. So to remember that nobody gave us a manual for wherever we are in life, that we're all figuring it out at the same time. And and you address that in the book as well, which I really love. Yes, it's, it's a very, very real thing. So when you said turn your mind on and turn your mind off, is that what you mean when you talk about the soldier up movement? Yeah. So for me, uh, when I think of the term and I, I created this because in a moment when I felt weak, I needed to have a saying that I could tell myself to like instantly give me strength. And that was soldier up. And I love the word soldier because a soldier is a very, very loyal person to a mission, to a cause, to something that they've, you know, really have that, that calling and, and feeling about. So to me in that moment, whenever I get weak or whenever I feel like, you know, I can hear that voice like growing inside of me, that is just not there to nurture anything of strength in that moment. I'm like soldier up. And then as soon as I say that to myself, like something overcomes me and I just look at something. If I feel like an excuse is coming on or I don't want to do something, I say soldier up. And then, uh, and my team, we all, we all know this, like, uh, we, we all know this saying so that whenever we get into that zone of weakness, we can have like a, just a word, a reminder to like snap us back into that space of strength. I really love that. I think I'm going to be adopting that soldier soldier up when it comes to that. Yes. How important do you believe it is for young women to strive to take control over their lives and become leaders or owners of companies when that sort of ambition is so dominated by men? Yeah. So listen, I believe that women are multifaceted, right? So I I'm not, uh, I'm not a big advocate of telling every woman, like you should be a CEO, you should be an entrepreneur. You should, you know, because there are women that are the CEO of their homes, right? There are women that are amazing teachers. And I am so grateful that they are teachers and I am not right. And I hope they're grateful (laughs) that I'm a CEO and I can handle certain things that maybe they cannot So I think sometimes when we see a person in a position, I think that envying and comparison thing starts to happen. Mm -hmm. What I would tell young girls um, is that the most important things that you can do for yourself is number one, to get educated. Um, A lot of people grapple with this. And this is a very new thing where people like they put down education And I would tell every female who can hear my voice, don't you dare play around with that. It might be good and funny and cool for a man to say that you better not even entertain that as an option. Mm -hmm. You got to give yourself an edge. You got to give yourself, you can't be equal. You have to be 10 times better. You know, I don't know why that is, but it is that way. And so like when I perform, I don't even sometimes get acknowledged until I'm 10 times better. And that's a very real thing that happens in business. And it's not that, that men are against women. What I've come to realize is that it's just more comfortable for men to work with other men, you know? So for a woman to come and enter that space, you have to be so incredible that you're undeniably great. And then no one can take it away from you. Right. But if you're playing at that same level, a man will prefer to work with a man. That's just how it is. Like, don't, don't study that one too much. Just listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) Get yourself any edge that you can, and then multiply it up. You know, watch your company very, very, very carefully. Um, I think that for me, um, that's something that has helped me tremendously. Um, 
your character as a, as a female, like, please do not ever sell yourself out because I, I see a lot of women do this. And once a man loses respect for you, you have nothing. You have nothing to like, even your education won't save you. So these are things I, I say to them because this is, this happens in business. It's just a very real thing. And if you're not prepared for it, then you go into it blind and then you might be the one that sacrificed, right? But if you know it, this is why I wrote this book. I, I don't want to write this book. I want nothing to do with like saying <laughs> any of this stuff. Yeah. I just had to be, I had to find the courage to do it because I know that a lot of books, they don't say this stuff. They say things like, you know, stuff that's just not really true in business. And then when you get in the business world, you get your ass handed to you. And that's what's happening to a lot of people, especially women in business, because no one ever properly prepared you. But if I told you that if you turn that left corner, there is a wolf there, be ready and prepared to deal with that wolf. Guess what? When you turn that left corner, you're ready to go. Instead of turning that left corner, getting a surprise. And now you're like, you have a setback, <laughs> you know, you're thrown back, you're caught off guard, you make a wrong move. And if, if my one job, I heard this, it's a great, great saying. Um, this was actually the daughter of Jerry Jones, who I had the pleasure of hearing her speak. And she said that she met Condoleezza Rice and, and she, and Condoleezza Rice said this to her. She's like, when you get up to where you're looking to go, make sure that you don't forget to send the elevator down for someone else to come up to. And so that's what this book is about for me. It's like just sending the elevator back down so that women can know, like, if you're better prepared, you have a better chance of winning. Doesn't mean you guarantee a win, but your chances improve. Very powerful. Cause I have so many thoughts that were running through my head as I was listening to you. When you talked about when a man disrespects you or loses that respect for you, it's often because you've lost respect for yourself or you did yes. something against yourself to be disrespected. And it makes me think about how when we don't do that preparation, that we're not respecting ourselves for being the knowledgeable, smart, brilliant woman that we are. And I also know that sometimes strong women intimidate men. And what is your advice for men who want to understand the mindset of a very strong woman? Yeah, I would not be as, as successful as I am, had it not have been for very strong men that have helped me to really navigate through my earlier stages of business. And I'll tell you this about the, the strong men that I worked with. They never made me feel like I was a woman in business. Mm. They never made me feel like I was a woman in business. And when I speak to men and I know they're weak, is when they start to say that stuff. I'm just like, no strong woman wants to even hear that. We're just like, <laughs> can we just talk about business, right? And uh, and and we don't we don't allot for that space. And the men that I worked with, like my 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 mentors, the ones that have trained me the most, they they never made me feel like I was a female in business. They made they made me know principles of business. They made me know how business is. And when I was going through something, they didn't they didn't bring that up. They just dealt with the issue, dealt with the cause, and that's what it was. And so a lot of today, what's happening is that we're we're talking about the wrong things. We're not talking about. How do we get better? How do we get stronger? Which is what we're talking about today. That's why I love that you're doing your podcast and we're talking about the real things, right? What are the issues? How do you turn your brain off? How do you turn it back on? Yeah. This is what needs to be spoken about. Not the disadvantages that people have and how it's like, it's, it's a system rigged against you. Come on. We live in the, we live in a, in, in a great part of the world. North America is winning territory. Okay. You've got to get up every day and be like, thank God I woke up on this half of the world. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm hundred percent in there with you, Sabrina. 
So as we close off the interview, I have a couple questions that I have as a standard. And one is, what is the most profound book that has impacted your life? It's the book that I always have with me and that I'm constantly reading. Um, it's the Bible. It's, uh, you know, I think the Bible is a story of difficulties, challenges, and then it shows you how to navigate through them. And then it tells you what happens if you fail, like utter disaster and destruction. And I think that's a good book where it's not just painting a rosy picture, hmm. but it's also painting a picture of destruction and what should never be. So I think I, I'm, I'm a person that learns from warnings and examples you know, and a lot of people, we just like to hear the good stories. Sometimes you should study disasters so that you stay clear of that, right? Like prepare yourself. Um, another great book that I've, I've read is, um, you know, I love people in the military. I love Navy SEALs. Um, the reason why I love them is because they execute at the highest level of excellence. And so, Anything written by a Navy SEAL, I have probably read it. I've digested it. I just have so much regard and respect for them. Uh, I'm currently uh, working with an amazing Navy SEAL, and he's written some great books, Three Simple Things. Highly recommend it. When I read this book, I really said to myself, the reason why I thought it was a great book is because I said, I want my children to read this book. Mm -hmm. That's so that powerful. made me feel like uh, this is a really good book and every child should read this book. And who is that by? His name is Tom Shea. Tom Shea. Okay. Yeah. And final question for you is what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? So I think that it's remembering who you are, right? It's remembering you know, in my book, I, I tried to break down like the, the beginning of the birthing process. And if you can understand all the battles that you had to fight or that had to be fought for you to come into existence, that is why you are spectacular. That is why like the weaker version of you already died. It didn't make it to the egg. So like that egg was there, that sperm was there. And then you know, you became your greatest you in that moment. And so it's just to give honor to that in myself. And every time I honor myself, I feel very, very rich. Every time I stay true to what I know are the principles and values that I have, I feel very rich inside. No money in the world, no money in the world is worth me selling my soul for. I just, I don't want anything to do with that. And I think we live in a world today where it's very easy to do that. And I just don't want any part of that because every day I wake up with a clean conscience and I feel really good. Like there's no money in the world that's worth that. Now, can I wake up with a clean conscience and have a lot of money? Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> what I want. Okay. So you don't have to have like one or the other. You can do great work, live a great life have great character. And, and that's what I want to be. I want to be that light for everyone where I, I did have some tough decisions. I made some tough decisions. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, but I have my character in check. I have my conscience in check. I wake up, I go to sleep very easily at night. So I think that makes me very, very wealthy from, from an internal point of view. Well, Sabrina, you are a bright, shining light. And I am so grateful that you came on the podcast to share your new book, Standalone. Very powerful book that people need to get and read. And I'd love for you to tell everybody how they can stay in touch with you or do business with you. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm actually getting asked to speak at events and so forth. So if you go to IamSabrinaLoy.com, uh, you can find out more on how to get in touch with me on Instagram. I am Sabrina Lloyd. You can DM me. Um, I actually, I respond to people that DM me. So, you know, I think in this world, it's really like an Instagram world that we live in. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Sabrina Lloyd. Um, my company is Lloyd agencies. I get to work with some phenomenal people and, um, 
I think if you want to find someone, you'll find them. You'll find this is like the world of the internet. You just got to type in Sabrina Lloyd standalone and things will come up. So, but I, I appreciate you asking this because it, it really is like seek good people. And, you know, Deborah, what you're doing is really good. And I think good has to be louder today. You know, we need to push more good out there because if we don't, um, what is bad will fill the void. So we don't want that to happen. Good has to be louder and, and people have to seek good people. And there's a lot of good people in this world. This was simply fabulous. Thank you so much for your time, folks. That was Sabrina Lloyd. And I'm signing off on behalf of both of us. It's going to be about soldier up. You got it in you. And when you have those tough times to think of Sabrina and her words, soldier up as you move forward. Thank you everyone for joining us today on the Millionaire Woman Show. You can always pop over to my website as well at www.debrakazowski.com where you can get your 10 page reset your mindset report there for you. So you can get your mindset on track when you feel off as well. Also, all the links below will be accessible to Sabrina so that you can contact her, DM her, and do further business with her as well. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And as always, go out and make today great. Thank you so much.